I have experienced a 30-hour power outage. I obviously felt for the people last winter in Texas who had like a multi-day power outage. And now I like after this situation, I like can't fathom how they survived in Texas. Whereas in Massachusetts, I was like, well, at least I was more prepared for this situation. Yes. Basically just like the lights flickered twice and then like the power fully went out. And Alex pays our electric bill So she was getting all the updates and they kept telling her like, oh, it's going to come back on at 11 and it was already 930. So we were kind of like, huh, but you know, maybe it was a small outage. And then shortly before 11 rolled around, they were like, now it's going to be like 5 a.m. And so we were like, okay, we're like kind of prepared for the situation. It's winter, you know, it's cold. We did use like hot water bottles and whatever. We were like fairly warm. We brought, you know, Sefi, our cat, into the bedroom for the night and just like hunkered down thinking, okay, maybe it'll come back on in the night. Yeah, didn't come back on in the night. Then they said it was 8. Then it was like 10.15, like 12.15. By the time it was like mid-afternoon, we were like, we must leave for heat. So we went to my parents and thank God we did because the power did not come back on until 2.30 a.m. The second day. Yes. Well, my question about this is how many people lost power? Because the big thing about like Texas was that there was nowhere to go. But did you ever find out like how widespread this problem was? Oh, yeah. It was 200 people. Just us and like the immediate like four streets next to us. Oh. Oh, no. And this was not the only power outage incident we've had recently. When we were in South Africa, there was a big like fire that was like next to some a power station or something. Anyway, power cut out for like most of Cape Town, like city central and like the waterfront. It was scary because there were no lights. It was the middle of the city. Cape Town's not safe. So we were like, oh, no. I remember when you told me about that and that seemed very dramatic in like a post-Northridge earthquake kind of way. But yeah, just thinking about how in the year of 2022, like some technology has advanced so far and then there's still things like this. Yeah, we were thinking that because we ordered some Chipotle um, (laughs) when we were like sitting hunkered down in our bedroom, like freezing. And I was like, I truly can't believe that in 2022, I have no heat, but I can order Chipotle to my door. Well, yeah. Anyway, welcome to Rumcomathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And this week, we're doing a very special uh, Valentine's Day episode of Rom-Comathon. And we're very excited because this is an episode we've been wanting to do since the very beginning. In fact, we did like two trial episodes of Rom-Comathon, like when we first started this podcast. And we did two? We did two. And this was like the first one. And it just never made it to air because it was terrible, terrible quality. But we're finally doing The Philadelphia Story, which is my favorite movie. I think it's fair to say it's our favorite movie. Yeah, I know. I was like, is it your favorite movie also? I can't remember. It may be. I don't like favorites as a rule, but I, I think it's it's oft mentioned in that conversation. Yeah, it's one of my top films. And I'm very excited because we finally get to talk about it. We've been saving it for a special occasion. It's our 50th episode. Is it really? Yes, that was the whole point. Oh, I didn't realize it was the 50th and it also coincided with Valentine's Day. That is so cute. Yes. I would also like to note that... Right around Valentine's Day is when I first saw this movie. But that raises the question, since you were the one who brought me to that, when did you first see this movie? I first saw it in college, I believe. I think I rented it from the library. Oh, okay. So my first time was in 2014 at one of those, I want to say like when the Arclight would do those sort of themed 
showings. Yeah, yeah. And you would get like free, like two free tickets every year to one of their like Arclight Presents. Oh, R.I.P. Arclight. I know. (laughs) So for Valentine's Day in 2014, which for context, we had been in L.A. less than six months. So we had no friends except each other, basically. Yep. And no jobs, really. We went to this showing and I got to have the very nice experience of seeing this movie from 1940 on a big screen for the first time. I know! It was so lovely, but it was also very harrowing because I was extremely stressed that she was going to end up with the other guy and that I had fallen in love with the wrong pairing. But... But I should not have been so worried about this because I was with you. And I mean, after all, they grew up together. Would you like to summarize the plot? Sure. First of all, I would like to say that the Philadelphia story, the film is based on a stage play of the same name and probably very, very, very similar to what the film ended up being. Anyway, it is basically about Catherine Hepburn, who is fancy high society of like old Philadelphia. And she was married to Cary Grant and two years prior to the film. But then they get divorced because, well, he's an alcoholic. Which in 1940 was just, like, a character flaw, I guess. And, like, who knows what he did? I mean, aside from, like, design yachts and be rich, where, like, he, like, doesn't have a job. Well, he kind of does now, but unclear at the time. Exactly. But anyway, it's two years later. They've been divorced. She's getting married again to this, like, new money guy who is the general manager of, like, a big coal sort of situation. Works for her dad. Yeah. And so they're getting ready for her big wedding. But there's a lot of drama surrounding this because, well, her father is like embroiled in the scandal. They're trying to keep quiet because he's run off with a dancer. But the magazine Spy is very eager to get insider photos of the situation and like find out more about the society wedding. So they want to send some um, reporters. And what they actually end up doing is they kind of get an in with Cary Grant. They blackmail the family through Cary Grant. Yeah, it's a little complicated. And Jimmy Stewart and uh, I think it's Ruth Hussey, Mm -hmm. uh, who are a reporter and a photographer. And they basically say like, oh, they're friends of uh, Catherine Hepburn's brother who's like stationed down in like South America and go to the party. Of course, like Catherine Hepburn and her family like know immediately that they're reporters. So they decide that they must play along in order to um, save their father's scandal from being public. But they're just going to be like the most outrageous versions of themselves as they can. And like Jimmy Stewart is already predisposed to like not liking them because he's like, I'm down to earth these people are so rich he's a very condescending man but it is a phenomenal performance yes essentially shenanigans ensue um katherine hepper and jimmy stewart actually end up having a lot of things in common they um they end up really getting along really liking each other and Everyone is upset that Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn got divorced in the first place. So Catherine (laughs) Hepburn's family is like real happy to see Cary Grant again. And then at the end of the film, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn get remarried and Jimmy Stewart ostensibly ends up with Ruth Hussey. Yes. I mean, you've skipped some shenanigans, but it is the most perfect comedy of remarriage ever written. Yes. 
It's perfect. Um, there are, yeah, there are many shenanigans. Like, there's a whole long sequence where everyone, well, where Catherine Hepburn and both Jimmy Stewart are, like, extremely drunk and spend an evening totally drunk. They kiss. And then this causes a whole rift between Catherine Hepburn and her fiance, George, who, like, comes in and sees this happening, essentially. Like, sees Jimmy Stewart taking Catherine Hepburn, like, up to her room to bed. And he, like, thinks they have sex. And then he, like, calls off the wedding. Um, except then it's revealed that, like, she and Jimmy Stewart didn't have sex and then George is like perfectly fine to get married again Catherine Hepburn is like no let's not (laughs) but it's awkward because the wedding has like basically already started yeah like she and Cary Grant have to get married at the end because like the people are there the priest is there (laughs) and I know this sounds insane but it's really a lovely movie and if you haven't seen it you should but also remember that it was made in 1940 oh yeah there are lots of things that like every time (laughs) I rewatch this movie I'm like well then (laughs) (laughs) all things considered it's pretty good but 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 you know a lot of things were different like punch and judy style domestic abuse was lol yeah um alcoholism was on the same level as being critical of alcoholism which like these are two very different problems yeah (laughs) <laughs> the, the whole thing is that Catherine Hepburn's major flaw in this film is that they call her like too much of a goddess. She's so like haughty. She's just on her high horse this whole time. But when the things that she's looking down on are alcoholism <laughs> and infidelity within a marriage. I think it's like she struggles with the idea of character flaws, like both in herself and in other people, which totally is something that people can work on. Like, I think most of us get more compassionate between the age of, you know, whenever they met, which I'm sure is as children to 30, 40, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But also in some of these scenes, she's definitely right. Especially the stuff with her father. So her dad comes back in the course of the film and the whole movie like basically is, well, yes, he did go off and commit adultery, but Catherine Hepburn is also in the wrong for being so critical of him going off and committing adultery. And he basically says to her, you know, I wouldn't have gone off with this woman and had an affair if my daughter had been warmer and kinder to me at home. Yes, I was like... Are you blaming your dog? What? (laughs) And when we were watching this, Matt was like, well, it worked for Trump. And I was like, no, no, do not ruin the Philadelphia story for me. But he is truly the worst part of this one. Like, I have a section in my notes that's just called, like, various people's choices. And, like, on the one hand, like, Cary Grant, we don't deny, has probably engaged in some bad behavior in the past. But also, he has a disease that requires treatment, and he seems to have worked on it in the intervening time. Whereas, like, we... Like, dad never gets his comeuppance. No, no, no. The movie never is like Seth Lord was in the wrong here. It's like literally everyone else forgives him. Her little sister, her mom. They're both like, why won't you invite your father to the wedding, Tracy? And it's like, (laughs) literally this man ran off with a dancer and has caused this whole situation so that the family must now be blackmailed into letting reporters into their home. Yes, although I will note that she's also really critical of her mother's choices, and I do feel like that's a very black and white view, which I totally understand given the age she is and any number of other things that are and aren't personal, but like, 
it's not your mom's fault. Like, let her let her live her life. Yeah, but it, the, those things are pretty absurd. But um, at least with Cary Grant, he's like giving up drinking. It's like these are not equal problems in two different ways. One is like alcoholism, a much bigger problem than like being critical of alcoholism. But also being critical of alcoholism is not helpful since it's a real problem but he went to like what did they call it at the time like a sanatorium yeah yeah that's what he says he, he like it sounds like he went to like a few he's essentially gotten sober like i think we see him like drinking orange juice or something which yeah. is hard to tell because the movie's black and white but yeah 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 um but at the end her dad like she's basically being like sorry dad that i'm such a disappointment he's like no like i never said that and we're like why can't you be this dad the whole time also the scene where he's being like you've been talking like this kind of woman is like, stop it. Dexter also criticized her today. Leave her alone. I know, right? She's already upset. Throughout the entire film, like Catherine Hepburn is very clearly in the right. There's also a lot of class stuff that's like, oh no. (laughs) Well, this is like a weird, in watching this, I was like, I feel like this is an odd moment to celebrate the rich, but I guess that's the case when we watch normal romantic comedies too. Yeah, yeah. It's fairly self-aware, but there are moments when she's like, food in a roof, and you're like, oh, how quaint, people who need shelter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some good things about it. Like, they, the movies very clearly knows that Catherine Hepburn is sort of out of touch with reality, and Jimmy Stewart is very much the, you know, everyday man kind of situation. There's a part where um, after she finds out that he's written a book and she's, like, read it, that she's like, oh, his writing is beautiful. And then she, like, basically offers to him this house that she has out in the country. And she's like, you can just, like, go there for as long as you want and write. And, like, I wouldn't bother you or anything. And he's, he basically finds, like, a really nice way to tell her, like, I don't really think we should engage in this kind of rich patron sort of relationship matt was like she's the logan to his Roy, and i'm like kind of except i think he's the patronizing one most of the time in this dynamic yeah because he does a lot of like you know what happens to girls like you if they like read books they start to think and you're like okay he's very like condescending of this whole like situation i mean obviously he's like these people are rich yes although can we talk about the fact Just to be clear, I think Jimmy Stewart is truly wonderful in this movie, but there were many points where I was like, I don't know how I feel about you as a person, though. Yeah. Like, as a reporter, was he stealing from his subjects? (laughs) Yes, yes, he was. I don't know how, um, what, like, uh, journalism ethics were like back in the (laughs) 1940s, but clearly they weren't great. Uh, yeah. And just to sort of complete our circuit of men's behavior in this movie, is Uncle Willie a blood relative? Unclear. That man is so pervy. Because I just, I mean, even if he's not a blood relative, he shouldn't be pinching people who call him uncle or like harassing reporters. Yeah, there's a, yeah, Uncle Willie is like the LOL, he's like an old horn dog, but he's just like sexually harassing women like in this film. Yeah, it, it's not cool. And I will say like, not that I like George, but I guess he just has limited opportunities to engage in terrible behavior. Though he does have the opportunity for some garbage dialogue. Yeah, yeah, he's not on screen so much. Um, Alex was saying that in this Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia, she was like, don't you think that Jimmy Stewart and Katherine Hepburn should have ended up together? And I was like, no, they have a no, lot girl. of great screen time. Like, I think the movie does a really good job of showing us why Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant are ultimately the more compatible pairing, even though Katherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart have a good handful of like romantic moments. Yeah, they have nice chemistry. Um, I think you and I, though, are very like, 
like and like people in general were not big opposites attract people Mm -hmm. in addition to our overall fondness for like history and an x-ray lapse but honestly i feel like the strongest argument in rewatching is like the movie really does a good job of showing throughout that they both clearly feel married to each other even though they have gotten divorced yeah like, they joke and they bicker, but they, they feel obligation. Like, he has this desire to protect her family and save her from her bad choices and talk to her about her flaws, I guess. And she, you know, wants to win arguments and has obvious nostalgia about their honeymoon period. Even, like, one of the scenes that she has with Jimmy Stewart, it's because she goes, like, Dexter and I always had a swim after parties. Yeah. And I really like that because you get a real sense of like their shared history, you know, how close he is with her family. Like um, they both at separate points have conversations about their boat that he designed for them that they went on their honeymoon um, and sailed um. up <laughs> sailed up the coast. Um, what? Although she has the conversation, I believe, because he gives her as a wedding gift a model of their honeymoon boat, which I must say is not cool. No, that was not cool at all. He knew exactly what he was doing. And she's all like, oh my, she was yar. And then later he has basically the same conversation with Jimmy Stewart. I, I just think like with those conversations, you really establish like how much they think alike and how much they are alike. Because you might say they grew up together. That boat is a wonderful image. This is a wonderfully written movie, even outside of, like, their performances. I'm always so offended, by the way, that when, like, word games such as Spelling Bee do not accept Yar. I mean, not Spelling Bee, because I think that has to be more letters but yeah it has to be four letters yeah she was very much like you know normally i really like the carrie grand Catherine hepper and like that kind of couple like the couple that has like broken up and gotten back together but she was like in this movie i just really feel like Catherine hepper jimmy stewart should have been together and i was like well a lot of people feel that way a lot of people think this is the way to go and i think maybe in like a modern if they like redid the philadelphia story i could see like the Catherine hepper and the jimmy stewart character getting together instead because there's like less of a gap between their worlds um but in this one neither of them would have made each other happy Which is explicitly what she says, because after the whole wedding thing gets scuppered, he's kind of like, I could marry you. And she's like, no, but also let us acknowledge the fact that he has a girlfriend. Yeah, he 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 does. (laughs) It's kind (laughs) of unclear. Um, in the like, you wouldn't know that he has a girlfriend. No, but he definitely does. It's not unclear. I think in his actions, it's unclear. Yes, but it's not unclear which makes it worse that it's unclear from his actions because like they establish very early when Catherine Hepburn is deliberately being like an insane rich person that he and the other reporter are like together because he's all offended that he didn't know that she was divorced oh I didn't really take that as they were explicitly together but then later when they talked to Liz Well, she says, like, are you going together? And they don't answer. But I think clearly the answer is yes. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if Jimmy Stewart would have been like, I'm her boyfriend, but yes. (laughs) Well, I don't know what they called it at the time. But also, but yeah, like later, Ruth Hussey. I mean, it may be that they have some whatever the 1940s version of like a casual dalliance was. (laughs) Yes. But Cary Grant's kind of like, so what will you do if another woman? And she's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Catherine Hepburn's getting married tomorrow. And also like he has no real shot with her. And, like, when he impulsively proposes her, she's like, ah, I don't think Ruth Hussey would like that. And I also don't think either of us would ultimately enjoy ourselves. 
Yeah. Which is a very elegant rejection, I must say. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, they obviously feel something for each other, but, like, long term, he's clearly thinking badly. But I think that what they feel is that, like, he idealizes her. And the whole thing with her and Cary Grant at the end is that of all these men, he's the only one who... And maybe this wasn't always true. Like, I think that they probably both had growing to do. And we see her do some of hers in this movie. And he apparently did his in the like intervening time. But he's basically explicitly says like, be however you want to be like, I love you as like a flawed human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can see that both with Jimmy Stewart and her fiance, George, like both think of her as this like perfect, untouchable like goddess. Um, and that's not what she wants. She's like, no, I'm, I'm flesh and blood. And... In terms of the reverse, there's even less evidence for her having any real desire to be with him. I think she's just kind of like, oh, interesting, fun. And then they have a nice evening, but, you know, she's drunk and then immediately horrified. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's clearly, like, into him in the sense that he's clever. Um, oh, totally. He's different. You know, they have interesting conversations she hasn't had with other people. But, I mean... <laughs> I do feel a little weird about this movie in the sense that they're kind of like, rich people can be better. And you're like, okay. But I guess they do also say, like, basically that it doesn't matter. Oh, because Cara Grant has a whole thing where he's, you know, being like, how can you marry down, basically? basically, And she's like, that's very rude. And he's like, no, no, I just mean, like, how can you marry this garbage person? (laughs) Um, He's like, marry Mac the Night Watchman, who let's assume is not rich he's a great guy yeah but then he's like george is terrible and i was like well i have seen no feelings of george because he has like i don't know in total (laughs) 10 minutes of screen time in this film in this like hour and 45 minute long film but like okay and i feel like one of george's character flaws it's suggested is that like he has a stick up his butt which honestly i'm fine with compared to say seth's Lord's choices. Yeah, well, also, the other character flaw of George's that they explicitly show is that he doesn't quite fit into their old money society. At the very beginning, when they first introduce him, he's like struggling to get up on a horse. That's their problem, though, not his. I do not agree with the movie on this assessment. The actual real issues with George, you don't see until maybe like the last third of the film. Yeah, yeah. The first sort of thing being like at the party when he kind of disapproves of Catherine Hepburn's behavior or getting drunk or staying at the party and you're like oh in a way George and Catherine Hepburn are well matched because they are both like really prissy yeah but she's like choosing this one night before her wedding to like let go it's not the time (laughs) and then later obviously he's very prepared to be like this was unwomanly conduct about her nighttime dip And then, I mean, like, I too would be upset (laughs) if I was getting married and my fiancé was, like, kissing another man. Yeah, she hasn't chosen the right time to embrace her humanity. No, no. And then it's, like, it's weird because the next day when George is, like, George very clearly thinks that Jimmy Stewart and Catherine Hepburn slept together. And then they are, like, no, that didn't happen. And then George is, like, oh, well, that's all. No, but Catherine Hepburn initially thinks that it has. Yes. But then George is, like, after they clear this up george is like fully ready to like marry Catherine hepper again and i want to be like whoa 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 man (laughs) like she was having a situation with jimmy stewart the night before your wedding sir do you want to talk about this (laughs) if nothing else her poor time management seriously like maybe you guys should discuss what the boundaries of your relationship are (laughs) like are you okay with her seeing other people I don't feel like that was true in 1940, but maybe it is based on Seth Lord's family. (laughs) Yeah, 
seriously. I have a couple like trivial questions. Okay. First of all, what kind of name is Junius? Yeah, Junius is a weird name. I was like, is Junius a nickname? But it's never clear. They only mention Junius. So we never see Junius. We never get any clarification. That's a weird one. Also, why is Junius not attending the wedding? Junius is in South America. He couldn't make it up for the wedding. Aren't they also in South America, Cary Grant and all the spy people, before they come to the wedding? Cary Grant was in South America. Then he comes up because he was working for Spy Magazine there. Then he returns to the States. And then he's like in Sydney Kid's office, who's the publisher of Spy Magazine. Where is that office? That office, I assume, was in like New York. Oh... Okay, okay. It's not like Jimmy Stewart was like living in South America, wherever in South America they were. A little bit what I thought. Next question. At one point, she's, I think the circumstance is Catherine Hepburn being like, have you switched to dope? It, that, at this time, what drug was dope? I think it was pot. Okay. Also, do we know if they got a divorce or an annulment? Because I don't think they ever say explicitly. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so either. They keep, They say divorce. Do they? Yeah. They say divorce. Oh, right. Married, then divorced in a raid. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I always get confused because she's like, the nice judge gave me a full pardon. And I'm like, I feel like that would be an annulment. But it doesn't feel like an annulment. And also, she's definitely not a virgin because she's so worried about what Dinah might have seen looking in the room. I know. I am also like, how fast was her Wilram romance with George? Because it's only been two years since she and Cary Grant separated. I think since they got married, because they elope and he he has, like, the thing that she says at the end to the wedding guests is, like, two years ago, I did you out of a wedding in this house by eloping to Marilyn. Oh, yeah, So were they right. only married for, like, the length of the honeymoon? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that was clearly the only time in their marriage that she can look fondly upon. So clearly they banged their way up the coast and then they like started arguing because he started drinking again. Let's assume, well, I mean, maybe, I don't know about drinking again, just, I guess, drinking. Well, I guess in this time they had never lived in the same house. Oh Yeah, that's true. Like it's such a different life. Yeah. I think that she probably also remembers fondly time prior to the marriage, but the actual marriage itself seems to have been extremely short. Yeah, like a hot second. And- What's the age difference between her and Dinah? Like at least 15 years. Yeah, because I think, so she must be in her 20s. Yes. In the film. And Dinah's like 11, right? I don't know exactly, but she's certainly I would not say, older than middle school. I would say Dinah's in between 10 and 13. Sure. Yeah. I accept that. So I think the difference could be, it's obviously at least like 10 years. Do we think that she, that Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant are playing like significantly younger than they are? Well, Cary Grant could also be older. Yes, because he's her brother's age. But then how big a gap is there between Junius and Dinah? Oh my God. So big. Wow, they really did a lot of weird family planning. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I just wondered because like I do love the dynamic between Dexter and Dinah. Yeah, no, me too. Dinah is the little is, is Catherine Hepburn's little sister. Who is a wonderful character. Yes. As is the lady reporter. She is very funny. She's just always stirring the pot. Yep. And the actress who plays Dinah is really wonderful. Yeah, she's super funny. Although she does add like some of the 1940s color of being like, did he really hit her? And you're like, what? shouldn't be so excited about potential domestic abuse of your sister <laughs> yeah yeah and basically like the whole attitude is like oh well if she did she deserved it yeah it's not cool yeah. i guess we kind of see it at the beginning don't we he pushes her 
Or does she push him? No, he pushes her. She, uh, he like storms out of the house. She like follows with like his golf clubs and then breaks one over her knee. And then she goes back in the house. He like follows her, taps her on the shoulder and like looks like he's going to punch her in the face and then thinks better of it, puts it down and instead grabs her face and just like pushes her down. It's very um like old timey. It's, it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, it's interesting. This whole movie is so elevated, but also so emotional. It's really interesting and well done. It's really remarkable how they have all the character motivations make sense, how they have the whole plot make sense, and how they resolve it. It's really good. It's really well paced. It's just perfect. I wonder what rom-coms of our time will still be viewable 80 years from now. I mean, like, I don't know, like none of them. When Harry Met Sally. That's not really of our time anymore. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think this newest one, Marry Me, with, you know, J-Lo and Owen Wilson is probably going to be a classic, but, like, who knows? We have seen that commercial so many times while watching the Olympics, and Matt keeps being like, this is your next movie, and I refuse. Do you refuse? Well, I'm not going to go into a theater to watch this. Like, I refuse to let this be the first movie I see back in theaters. (laughs) I don't know. We could talk about it. I just... I. How can I go from the Philadelphia story to that? No, it's true. It's true. It doesn't feel like a promising combination of actors. No, it, you're very correct. Like, I am in a way quite fond of JLo, but I, I don't feel that she has a good romantic comedy track record. And it's it's just, it's not good. She does, however, still look amazing. So maybe. She looks incredible. But if beauty could solve all our problems, every movie we watched would be good. And is that the case? No, no. But yeah, it's a very good movie. Even some of my least favorite characters, like Uncle Willie, have a couple great lines. Like, wouldn't we be more comfortable on pogo sticks? The script is really like something else. It's really amazing. I was actually saying to Alex in the car because we were driving back um, from grocery shopping and I was saying like how many movies could you watch now with such static sets like the sets just don't really change and just watch them talk at each other for an hour and 45 minutes and not be bored. It's really remarkable. It's a play. It's kind of like a I'm trying to think if any of Neil Simon's work has been adapted. Oh, hasn't it? I don't know. I've never seen a film version of a Neil Simon play. However, I have seen so many Neil Simon plays. (laughs) Truly. Uh, <laughs> Truly. I'll look into it later. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But that that is the quality that this has. Like, that's why it's so tight. Yeah. Also, in general, I just wish that movies would, like, I feel as our collective attention span gets shorter and shorter, movies just get longer and longer, which is so inexplicable to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So let's dive into our favorites. Um, what are What were your best scenes from this film? I have two, arguably, but they're very long runs, but I do have specific moments. Okay. No, no, you go first. Um, I think, no, I have several favorites. Um, I love the scene where she's telling Jimmy Stewart about her honeymoon and about the boat um, because she seems so happy when she's like reminiscing about the true love and about her time. I mean, clearly all they did was like have sex on this boat, but like what a great time it was for her. And I love that one. I also, (laughs) I love the scene where um, they're first pretending to be stupid rich. Oh. Oh. Um, in front of Jimmy Stewart. That's one of my runner-ups. Yeah, and um, and Ruth Hussey. And Dinah comes in in, like, point ballet shoes and this, like, ridiculous, like, diamond. I don't know. It looks like a sex harness, like, but it's, like, covered in, like, rhinestones. Oh, right. She literally, I think they pick it up early on and they're like, what? 
is this? Yeah, and she comes in and basically like speaks French and is like, I spoke French before I spoke English and then goes to the piano and starts like, she's like, seems like she's on coke, is like pounding at the piano, singing and being outrageous. And then Catherine Hepburn sweeps in is like, enchante. It's really, really funny. Um, In that same scene, I love when Catherine Hepburn comes in and starts like interrogating the reporters so they don't have an opportunity to say anything. And she's like babbling on and then basically pretending that she doesn't know their reporters is basically being like, oh, I'm paraphrasing, but like, oh, we never associate reporters except this man who does like the social news. And she literally says, can you imagine a grown up man having to sink so low? <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. Stewart's face. He's doing like doesn't know what to say. Perfect. I know it's so good. Um, and then I was gonna say another one of my favorites is when Jimmy Stewart is like so drunk and he goes over to Cary Grant's house but Cary Grant didn't know how the scene was like kind of gonna go or like how Jimmy Stewart was gonna act in the scene and so you can see Cary Grant struggling to keep a straight face. Like kind of breaking. Yeah. It's delightful. It's so good. That's my probably best scene. Everything from when Jimmy Stewart drunk leaves the party to confront Cary Grant to the end of it, which is basically like he leaves this party and I never noticed until this viewing that he brought many cups with him. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he's shouting for Cary Grant and like having hiccups and like kind of berating him for his treatment of Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant presumably having been woken from a dead sleep after shockingly respectfully not attending this engagement party maybe feeling he's done enough having sent the model of their honeymoon boat and they like have a conversation and then ruth and katherine hepburn show up yes because she's like they've like dropped off george and my actual favorite i have two actual favorite moments and the one is in this run which is when Ruth goes in to see Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant comes in and like sits in the car with like totally trashed Catherine Hepburn. And I think that's for me like the most emotional moment of the movie. Like he's just, they just, it's kind of like heads on a pillow sort of situation, but like in the car and he's just looking at her and they have this kind of conversation that's like, no, I don't drink. Like, that's right. I forgot. And she says, I haven't. And there's just so much subtext and yearning yeah it's really 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 tender and intimate and wonderful it's a really good good scene and then unfortunately she and jimmy stewart drive off together even though they are both smashed (laughs) they are so drunk and then you think like the next scene might open on their like smashed car (laughs) yeah like a gatsby situation (laughs) yeah And then my second favorite, essentially, like, series of scenes is the entire, everything the last couple of scenes, basically the whole wedding morning, like, every single line is so funny. But it includes my second favorite, like, really subtly emotional moment, which is that Catherine Hepburn, thinking that she drunkenly slept with Jimmy Stewart, is horrified that she's cheated on Cary Grant. fully forgetting about like i guess the last two years of her life including her current fiance (laughs) which i feel sums up the movie (laughs) but there's also like there's so much tiny wonderful stuff but there's one moment where like he's basically feeding her lines as she sort of reschedules their wedding and they time it so well the performance that like He says the lines and she repeats them, but she kind of like stumbles and lengthens it. And he has time behind her back to have like three kind of separate interactions with other characters, like to borrow mom's ring and to talk to the two reporters. And that is just 
such good staging. Like, it blows my mind. Oh, how about favorite lines now? I mean... (laughs) Dinah has some wonderful lines that I love. (laughs) She has several. Like, one of the ones in the very beginning is, like, she's she basically, like, wants to stop the wedding because she hates George. And she basically says to Catherine Hepburn, like, what can I possibly do to stop the wedding? And she... Catherine Hepburn's essentially, like, short of getting smallpox, like, nothing. And then Dinah later is like, mother, how does one get smallpox? Um... (laughs) And then I also love um, later she's like, she's like, I can tell there's something in the air because I'm being taken away. Um, Yes, I love that too. During a conversation. And I think at the very end, she's like, I did it. I did it all. (laughs) When they're getting married. She is a little maniac and it's amazing. Yeah, she's great. And age appropriate, I think. Yeah, yeah, very much. She is the forerunner of meddling teens in all movies. My favorite line is probably, hello, my friends and enemies, but (laughs) I thought your favorite line was going to be, you're going to sell the true love for money to that fat old rum pot. (laughs) That is one of my favorites. (laughs) Um, So that's at the end when he is very chaotic through the whole film and clearly trying to mess things up. But when it comes down to it, he is trying to help her and she's very grateful. Like... I I feel like the tail end of the wedding disaster is kind of him like, you know, if she wants to marry this guy, he's not going to ruin it, even though he has totally already ruined it. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff in there that I like where she's kind of being like, I'll never forget this, blah, blah, blah. But I just love how embedded he is. Like her mom comes by and being like, Dexter, I wish you'd tell me when you invite people to Tracy's weddings. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (sighs) He has many great lines. I love when she's apologizing to him for her apparent adultery. And he's like, what? When she remembers that George exists, he says, George, splendid chap, George. Very high morals, very broad shoulders. (laughs) You've always liked that line. I do. It's just so funny. I don't know if it's the delivery or what is it? I don't know. The language is so interesting. For the most part, it really holds up. But I will say like... The thing I always think about about this movie is the fact that it was 1940, so, like, you could still use the word Holocaust as, like, a regular noun. Yeah, that's really crazy. I was thinking about that whenever he says, like, you know, because Jimmy Stewart says to her, like, in this, like, intense moment where he's, like, basically, like, oh, you're so beautiful, you're a goddess, you're perfect, like, you know, all this stuff, and he's, like, you know, and he says, like, hearth fires and holocaust, and you're, like, hmm, that's a loaded word that would not be great, like, four years from now. I mean, not not great already in 1940, but America hasn't, like, butted in yet. I guess it just hadn't been named yet. I probably should have done a little research to, like, check... Either way, they're, they're obviously using yeah, they're obviously using it in the film in like a non like it's a common way. noun. Yeah, it's a non-capitalized Holocaust. Yep. Uh, there are certain things too where I was like, on a non-romantic note, there's one line where I think it's Jimmy Stewart again. He has a lot of great stuff where they he says, "Whiskey's a slap on the back and champagne's heavy mist before your eyes," and that's never stuck with me before. And I was like. Maybe when I first saw this movie, I had not consumed enough alcohol to appreciate this line. It's very succinct. I think the true comedic masterpiece is his drunk scene, but he's great always. Yeah, he's he's really wonderful. He's so good that that's why when I saw it for the first time, I was afraid that he was the endgame love interest, but he wasn't. And then what would you say is your worst scene, worst line? My worst line is definitely something Seth Lord said. <laughs> 
I feel that Seth Lord as a person is the worst scene. Yeah, he's the worst part of this film. Yes. Uh, we're cool to not have him at this wedding. Yeah. It was probably something he said to her during that part where he's like, oh, daughter, if only you had been like kinder and more loving to me, I wouldn't have sought a young woman's love out of my home. I think in terms of like individual lines for me it's actually george or jimmy stewart stuff whereas like for seth it's like the entire vibe yeah well i guess this this is kind of like a mini interaction some of this is of the time and i feel like matt for instance was really kind of pinged by a conversation that Catherine hepburn has with her fiance that's like you know does it really bother you basically that Cary grant was ever my lord and master and matt was like um and i was like look it was a different time. This kind of language is also used in like Little Women is fine. What really kind of weirds me out is at one point, actually, I think it might be her talking about herself. She's basically being like, I'm just his faithful dog. And I'm like, I'm not cool with this. You're not even human in this scenario. <laughs> it's like as progressive as her character is in this film. There are like lines where you're like, no, oh, no, 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 no. But no, then no. later, Jimmy Stewart says like, Basically being like, what? Like, you don't want to do like blah, blah, blah. And he says, would Kittredge spank? And I'm like, if that's something that you want to do, that's totally fine. But it's weird that this other man is bringing this up as like a, a fun comment about the potential dynamic between you and your fiance. It's weird. It's weird. And I don't feel that I was as grossed out by different pieces of Jimmy Stewart's behavior on past viewings, but I guess I was like watching more closely. <laughs> Although honestly, I'd totally forgotten about the fact that he's cheating on Ruth Hussey until like midway through this podcast. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I think we're just going to have to skip our POC count. <laughs> um, <laughs> just absolutely no one, no one, not a one. Um, which isn't to say that they didn't have people of color in old Hollywood films. They do, but it's not in this one. <laughs> no, no, no. Also the black and no, no, go on. Sorry. Forget yeah. that. No, it's true that it, it does make it difficult to tell, but like everyone is glaringly white. Oh, no, no, no. That wasn't what I was going to say. I was just going to say that like when she puts on her wedding dress, it looks just like any other dress. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that Carrie Grant calls her is red. Like presumably like, you know, she has red hair. Who could freaking tell? God. But also, well, I guess, yeah, because they show that sort of like painted version of the movie at the beginning and i guess she has red hair in that but you would not know i think that's also true in the movie poster like she has red hair but like we we would not know we would i'm also like did she have red hair and now i realize i have no idea because i've never seen a color photo of katherine hepburn obviously we score but i don't even know if we should we bother scoring this is 10 out of 10 for me a bazillion old-timey smooches yes I would say like 10 out of 10 true loves. 10 out of 10 people who are working through their problems and I guess are no longer going to sell that boat to that fat old rum pot. <laughs> oh, 10 out of 10. Oh, we must make a little comment. I don't know why Dinah Lord has that little like pony and chariot situation. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, well, they're very rich. They have horses. I know, I know. But it's really funny. Like, you know, the last third of the film is like the morning of the wedding. And like it opens with Dinah being like, Uncle Willie, you must come with me. I have to talk with you in private because she wants to talk about what she saw between like Jimmy Stewart and Catherine Hepburn the night before. But the Although why she's choosing Uncle Willie as a confidant. Yeah, I don't know. But 
the place she has chosen to be like not be overheard is her little chariot and pony. It's like a little buggy or like cart or something. And that's when Uncle Willie is saying like, wouldn't we be more comfortable on pogo sticks? Because he's quite hungover. (laughs) Honestly, there are so many moments, both comedic and emotional. We could go on and on and on, but we will not. Well, thank you for tuning in to our 50th and Valentine's Day uh, edition of rom com Um, We hope you enjoyed. You should definitely check out The Philadelphia Story if you haven't. It's a great, great, great film. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, we will be back next month with another episode. I don't know what's going to follow this one. Like, we might as well give up. It's like, this might as well just go home. <laughs> Um, but probably won't be marrying me with Owen Wilson and JLo. <laughs> Please offer suggestions. Yes, thank you, and follow us on our social media, and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.